All right, so today I'm excited about today. We're starting our new series, uh, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Times. Uh, it's our summer study. Every year in the summer, uh, we do a book study, and this year we've, we've chosen one of the uh, wisdom books of the Old Testament, uh, Proverbs. The other two are Job and Ecclesiastes. Uh, Proverbs is really an interesting book. It's a very practical book. If you're a practical kind of person, I'm very practical. I like I like things simple and make them you know so that it makes sense. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy Proverbs. It's an anthology that's written by several different authors, but primarily uh, it's it's by King Solomon. So a proverb is a short saying of practical truth that's usually easy to remember. Um, they had them back in the old days. We still have them today. You know, see if you can finish this one. Look before you leap. A stitch in time saves nine. Anybody know what that means? It means, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't have a clue, but I've been saying it my whole life. It means if, the, if there's a small hole in your garment, stitch it up before it turns into a big hole, right? So deal with the problem while it's small before it gets big, you know? Don't look a gift horse what? In the mouth, that's right. And then my favorite, healthy eating is the slowest possible way to die. (laughs) (laughs) Biblical proverbs are much like the ones that we have today. Short sayings with practical advice. It's usually a thought-provoking statement. So Solomon was certainly qualified uh, to write a book on practical wisdom. Uh, You may recall that at one point in his life, he was given an opportunity that most of us would absolutely love to have. God God offered him anything his heart desired. Uh, If you've ever dreamed of, you know, finding a, you know, a, a bottle and rubbing it and a genie pop out and offer you three wishes, basically that's what Solomon had. He had an Aladdin-like experience with God. And I want to read that just as an introduction here to the book of Proverbs. Uh, it's in 1 Kings 3, if you have your Bibles. It says that Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. That's an incredible offer. Solomon answered, you've shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in in heart. You've continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant here is among the people and you have chosen a a great people to two numbers to counter number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Well, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have not asked, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. And I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep your decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you long life. What an incredible thing here that uh, Solomon asked for. I mean, he didn't say, show me the money. He didn't say, well, God, give me the girl. Nothing. He just simply asked for wisdom. And that pleased God, and so God granted to Solomon wisdom. So it's fitting that if we're going to study 
a book about wisdom. If we want to understand wisdom, it would only make sense that the wisest man who ever lived other than Jesus Christ would have written the book, and so that's Solomon. Now, we all need wisdom, and not just in the big decisions of life, but we need, to, we, we need wisdom in the everyday relationships and the small choices that we make at home, at work, at school, in our neighborhoods. All of us have questions from time to time, uh, some big, some small. You know, all of us probably at some time have, have wondered, where do I find a good spouse? And how do I raise godly children? And why should I deal honestly in business when everybody else is cheating? And why should I bother getting out of bed and even going to work? And how can I be a wise and respected leader? You're going to find that all of these questions are answered in the book of Proverbs. And it's really interesting. And, and so that's why we've entitled this series, Ancient Wisdom, for modern times, because we need wisdom in these days. Amen? Wisdom is the kind of knowledge that helps you know and understand what's going on around you. The ability to read situations and people correctly. Uh, the, the era in which we're living is not a time to live with your head buried in the sand. Uh, this is a time to be reading the situations, paying attention to what's going on in the world, what's going on in the news. Uh, and, and, you know, it's not so much about having a high IQ. It's about the ability to distinguish truth from error, right from wrong, good from evil. It's being able to tell, is this right or is this wrong? So Job asked a great question. He said in Job 28, 12, where shall wisdom be found? And that's a great question. And uh, it's really... Uh, the foundational question for all of the wisdom literature uh, in the Bible. But he goes on and answers it in Job 28, verse 28. He says, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And, and Solomon would certainly agree with Job in this. So here, at the very beginning of the book of Proverbs, Solomon calls everyone who needs wisdom, both the young and the old and the simple and the wise. He says, listen up. So let's read uh, let's read Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance." For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come together today because we need wisdom. God, we need your help to discern the times, to make good decisions in our families and our businesses in our country, in our church. God, we need your wisdom, your insight, your knowledge. So God, as we study your word, as we study the Proverbs of Solomon, God, I pray that you would, you would speak to hearts, that you would challenge us, that you would inspire us, convict us. Father, that you would lead us in what you would have us to do. And so, Father, we just humbly come before you today as we begin this study. And God, we ask for your wisdom and discernment. So God, just speak to us through your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So the book of Proverbs is not simply God's version of Ben Franklin's uh, Poor Richard's Almanac. You remember that early to bed, early to rise makes a man what? Healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? So it's, it's not that. It's not, it's not the ancient Chinese sayings of Confucius. Confucius says, silence is a friend who will never betray. You know, yeah, these are truths, but there's something more to it than that. It's, it's more than a less humorous version of Murphy's Law. One of his is never argue with a fool. People might not know the difference. So Proverbs has some characteristics of each one of these, but what sets it apart is its teaching that knowledge begins with an appropriate disposition towards God. It starts by really knowing God. Proverbs 1.7 is really the cornerstone verse of the entire book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. True wisdom comes from a right relationship with God and an appropriate attitude towards him. And what is that attitude? Well, it's labeled fear here in Proverbs. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? I mean, are we, are we supposed to be afraid of God? Should we be intimidated, scared, frightened? What does it mean to fear the Lord? You see, this is the key, I believe, that unlocks the rest of the book. Understanding what it means when it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, I think it's the fundamental truth you need to understand. So we're going to spend some time today talking about just that. I mean, if that is truly the beginning, the origin of knowledge, I think it's only wise that we would study that so we know what it means. So I want to define it, and then we're going to unpack it further. The fear of the Lord is simply a way of talking about one's attitude toward God, an attitude of submission, respect, dependence, and worship. So fear of the Lord is, is the building block of knowledge. You know, when our children are little, we teach them the ABCs. So that one day they can form words and one day they're able to read Shakespeare. When our children are young, we teach them to play the scales on their instruments so that one day they might be able to play Mozart or Bach. We teach our kids that two plus two equals four because one day we may want them to understand how to do calculus. The same way that we start small so that big things can happen, we must understand that the fear of God is foundational to wisdom. And that's what we're going to look at here. It's the building block to knowledge. So perhaps the best way to understand this truth is to see it live out. So we're going to give some examples in Scripture here where the fear of the Lord is on display. And it makes sense that we would look at the various uh, encounters that Jesus had while he was on earth. So we're going to begin at the beginning of Jesus' life. If you think about the wise men uh, who came to visit Jesus, when they saw the star of Bethlehem and they were led uh, to see him, uh, you know, they, they were to go and see the king of kings. Uh, when they saw the star, what did it do? It says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. I mean, they were excited to go see the king of kings. But then when they entered the manger, when they entered the place where the Christ child was, look what it says in verse 11, they fell down and worshiped him. These were the kings of the day. These were the big dogs. These were the, these were the power people. And they came, and when they were in the presence of this baby Jesus, they fell down and worshiped him. That was their first reaction when they encountered God, was to display 
respect, to hold him in high regard. The fear of the Lord is certainly on display when you look at the miracles of Jesus. Jesus spoke to the uh, uh, dead son of a widow and said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the boy sat up and began to speak. Now, what was the response of those who witnessed this miracle? In Luke 7, verse 16, it says, they were all filled with awe and praised God. They were filled with awe. That's an aspect of the fear of the God when you, the fear of God when you are just in awe of who He is. You may remember when uh, Jesus told Simon Peter and the disciples to let down their nets to uh, you know catch some fish after a night of fruitless fishing, and so reluctantly they did that. And then what happened? Well, they caught so many fish that the nets broke, and they couldn't hardly get them all in the two boats. And then, you know, if, that, if you were there, what would your response have been to have just taken in that big, uh, big bounty of fish? Well, you know, maybe you would have jumped for joy. Maybe you would have uh, uh, screamed and hollered and hooted and, 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 and all this. Maybe you would have high-fived Jesus. But what did Peter do? Luke 5, 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. That's a picture of, of the fear of the Lord. When he saw what Jesus had done, there wasn't hooting and hollering. It was an immediate acknowledgement. I'm in the presence of God. What's my appropriate response? And he got on his knees and said, Lord, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. You may remember the time that the disciples were on the boat and a storm came up, and it was, it was just the, the, the winds were blowing, the, the, the rains were falling, the waves were roaring. Where was Jesus? Jesus was sleeping. The disciples woke him up and said, Lord, don't you care that we're about to die? And Jesus stood up and, and said three words, peace, be still. And the winds stopped, the rain stopped, the waves calmed right down. How did the disciples respond? Verse 41, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. They were terrified. That's the fear of the Lord. Let me give you one more example. You may remember the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John uh, witnessed the glorification of Christ where his body was glorified for a brief period of time and he had an Counter there. Uh, and, and then the very words of God the Father were spoken in Matthew 7 15, uh, 17 5. It says, This is my beloved Son, whom I, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, when the, when, the, when the disciples heard this, how did they respond? Verse 6 When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. It wasn't so much that they were afraid of Jesus. Uh, it wasn't like they were afraid like you and I might be afraid of a snake if we encountered a snake. And like, you know, it wasn't that. In each one of these situations, it wasn't that they were afraid of him. It was they were recognizing his greatness. They were acknowledging his glory. It was his power that drove them to their near, knees. So call it fear, call it respect, call it awe, call it what you want. But regardless, they recognized the deity of Christ and in humility... They honored him. If you look so much throughout 
The miracles of Jesus, when they happened, the people bowed down. They fell to their knees. They recognized just who Jesus was. See, that's the fear of the Lord. When you are so in awe of God and his power and his greatness and his glory. Since Dwight Eisenhower signed H.R. 619 back in 1955, all U.S. currency has carried the motto, in God we trust. And yet that is not the prevailing attitude in our country. In the last number of years, our culture has abandoned God. We've disregarded the Ten Commandments. We've basically done whatever we can to distance ourselves from the Judeo-Christian values that helped form our country. And quite frankly, it seems as if our country no longer fears God. It seems as if we just kind of thumb our nose at God and almost dare him to do anything. And sadly, as our country has drifted away from God, sadly, the culture has eroded even within church walls. So many churches have begun to acquiesce to modern culture instead of standing up for what is right. It seems they're more afraid of being labeled intolerant or politically incorrect or old-fashioned than they are of being offensive to God. Our society, our culture, our churches, and our country, we need a greater fear of God. Because we're not much different than what Paul described in his letter to the Romans. If you look at Romans chapter 3, verse 12, Paul, writing at that day and age, said, All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. No, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. And then this sums it up. There is no fear of God before their eyes. My friends, doesn't that seem to reflect on our culture today? There is no fear of God before their eyes. And I think it's because, by and large, they just don't know who they're dealing with. Jesus has been raised from the dead He's ascended to heaven. Jesus now sits at the right hand of God the Father in glory. The biggest, scariest angels in the universe bow down and worship Jesus. But unfortunately, people have lost sight of who Jesus is. Or, quite frankly, they're just worshiping the wrong Jesus. They're worshiping a politically correct version of Jesus one who doesn't call sin, sin. They embrace his love, but ignore his holiness, his justice, and his deity. You know, we sing the, the words of our favorite songs, and sometimes we don't even pay attention to the words we're singing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now 
I see. But listen to this next word. Twas grace that taught my heart to what? Fear. God's grace should cause us to fear. We should be crying out, I am a wretch. I am a sinner. I'm lost. And we need to get back to the place where we recognize our dependence on God because we need him. In the days when Christ was on the earth, he spent much time teaching his disciples, healing the people, confronting the religious elite of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the Pharisees and Sadducees, they held to the law and they failed to recognize that Jesus was indeed the promised Messiah. They revered Abraham and Moses and David and Solomon. And then one, Jesus, one day Jesus was speaking with them and he said this, Matthew 12, verse 42, the queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. What was he really saying? They knew what he was saying. Basically, he was saying, I'm greater than Solomon. And to the Pharisees and Sadducees, this was a whoa. They couldn't believe what he was saying. He said, I'm greater than Solomon. He was revealing himself to them as God, but they didn't get it. They didn't get it. Jesus is wiser than Solomon. Jesus made statements that were as equally amazing as Solomon. He had many proverb-like truths. If you actually think about it, Jesus said nothing is covered up that will not be revealed. He said the sick need doctors, not the well. It was Jesus who said you can't serve two masters. Jesus said the measure you give will be the measure you get. Jesus said many are chosen, but few are called. Uh, many are called, but few are chosen. Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit. Jesus said all the defiles come from, comes from within. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. As I started studying it this week, there are all kinds of statements that Jesus made, Proverbs of Jesus. Jesus taught wisdom. Jesus lived wisdom. Finally, Jesus was wisdom. And he invited all to embrace him and find life. Jesus, the true vine, the bread of life, the living water, the light of the world, the door, the resurrection, and the life. He said he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus was greater than Solomon. Jesus was God in the flesh. So why do we not honor? Why do we not respect? Why do we not fear and worship him the way he deserves? Why have we become so casual in our relationship with God? As I kick off this series on ancient truths, I want you to see that Jesus is the truth. You can memorize all of the Proverbs if you'd like to, all of Solomon's Proverbs. But the reality is wisdom begins and ends with fear of the Lord. It starts by knowing Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Have you put your faith in Christ and trusted him as your Savior? If not, that's where it all begins. My friends, that's where it must start. For those of you who've been in church for a long time, let me ask you some questions. 
And I want you to really think about this. Have you become a little casual in your relationship with God? Maybe a little too familiar. Maybe a, a, a little too, well, it's not that big of a deal. If I do this, if I don't do that, if I go here, if I don't. Maybe we've just grown just a little too casual in that relationship. I mean, do you honor God with your time, your talent, and your treasure, as Jesus told us to do in his word? Are God's priorities reflected in your priorities? When you make your calendar and your schedule for the week, does God even come into your mind? Does spending time in his word, does spending time in prayer, does spending time serving other people, does church, does it even enter the equation? Or is it something you just kind of throw in and, but it's not really something that you plan on? I mean, do you have a proper fear of God? Do you use his name in a casual way? Do you, do you use the name of Jesus or God as a filler in your sentences without really realizing who it is you're talking about? Have you become a little too comfortable with certain sins in your life? Have you started to think, well, it's not really that big of a deal, or I'm better than so-and-so, or I'm not, you know, at least I'm not like so-and-so. And so you've just grown a little comfortable with certain sin. My friends, if any of those things are true, you've probably, probably don't have the right fear of God right now. You need to recognize who it is that we serve. We serve the King of Kings, the God of the universe. Jesus spoke the world into existence. He hung the stars and the moon and the sun. He's God, and we should have respect and awe. Where Solomon said we need to fear him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of of knowledge, but look at this. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. People who fail to embrace God's truth and His Word, people who choose not to follow the Ten Commandments, who maybe mock the very words of Jesus, Solomon labels them as they are. They're fools. And their end is destruction. I hope that's not said of us. I look at our culture today, I look at our world today, and it just feels as if we're on the ship of fools. But that doesn't mean you have to be. We shouldn't be. I'm going to give you a challenge throughout this series. The book of Proverbs has 31 chapters. The longest month has 31 days. So for this summer, June, July, and August, my challenge to you is to read a proverb a day. So today is what, June 5th? So today you would read Proverbs chapter 5. Tomorrow, Proverbs chapter 6. And 
you know, if you're a type A personality, you, you can go back and read the first four if you want to, you know. So I'm like, I can't do that. I'll wait till July. Don't do that, you know. Quit being a legalist. Just, just start today on July 5th. You'll, you'll make it. Um, but my challenge to you is to just every day, you realize what's today. Oh, today's the 12th. Turn to Proverbs chapter 12 and read it. And uh, just, you know, over the summer, you'll, you'll get through the book of Proverbs three times. And I, I think that that would be very, very good for us to do that. You're going to see that this book is loaded with truth and wisdom that is as contemporary today as it was thousands of years ago when it was written. Ancient wisdom for modern times. That's what we need. We need the truth. And that truth and that knowledge and that wisdom starts with the fear of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come this morning before you in humility, God, we recognize that you are God. And God, can we just acknowledge the reality that we live in a land and a time and a country that sadly God doesn't seem to fear you much. So God, this morning in humility and brokenness, we say we're sorry, God. God, we... We acknowledge you are the creator, the omniscient, omnipresent, all-powerful God. We recognize that Jesus is God in the flesh. And God, in humility, we honor you. We are in awe of you. We respect you. God, help us to live in a way that honors your word. Help us to not be casual in our relationship with you. Help us not to grow casual with sin. Help us not to grow distant in our relationship with you. God, may we we recognize just who you are. And God, we pray. We pray for wisdom. God, in these days, we need your wisdom. Lord, your word tells us in James, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. And so, God, we need your wisdom. So, Lord, as we start this study, as we read the words of Solomon and the words of Jesus, God, I pray that you would give us the wisdom that we might be able to discern right from wrong, truth from error, good from evil, that we might lead our families, that we might lead our organizations, that we might lead our church, that we might lead our country. God, to do the wise thing. God, I pray for moms and dads. God, that they would have wisdom in rearing their children. That they would still in these children's hearts an awe and respect and fear of God. Father, we need you. We need your wisdom. So God, help us as we embark on this journey that we might fear you God, by doing so, we might learn to walk as wise people. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name.